T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. One, two, one, two, three, four. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, WQAM here until 10 o'clock tonight. An hour from now, we talk Russell Westbrook with Ira Winderman from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. Otherwise, just here talking. This is my final show in the palatial studios of the former Beasley Broadcasting Group and I believe the former Clear Channel Media Group radio stations. We moved to a new premises further south now this really it's it's one of my least favorite things to talk about because no one in the audience cares <laughs> where the voice is coming from but it means a lot to me because at least we'll have a window we'll see the great outdoors we'll see scenery of miami and we're not as i have been in my two stops working in the south florida radio industry seven night of the ticket and five six wqam locked in a dungeon that you would actually would rather be in for hurricanes than for your place of employment. It is like a cave surrounded by soundproof doors that, uh, let's be honest, if a raging hurricane ever came through South Florida, these would be among the two places that would still be standing. So it is uh, sad to see the old lady go, but we uh, head off to new palatial digs uh, further south in a week's time. So uh, enjoy the on-air talent uh, telling you about that. But we've got a lot to talk about here over the course of the program. want to talk some Miami Heat. We're actually not that far away from the start of Miami hurricane season. Like a month and two weeks out, people. It's coming upon us. And I was reading something that Barry Jackson wrote in the Miami Herald about the University of Miami quarterbacks. I want to get to that. I want to get to robot umpires. Uh, they were debuted last night in an independent league game. And uh, they're they're coming for us. Robot umpires are coming. Be I ready. This. Yeah, I mean, frankly, for me, my chief point in robot umpires and the homogenization of baseball stadiums is why is a game played by different rules depending on the human beings behind behind the plate and the size of the fences? Because the old people said so. Like, well, it's not even just that the old people, it's just that it's always been that way. Exactly. Right. And so no one has ever gone, wait a second, why are, like, every other sport is played on a field roughly the same size. There is no NFL field that's 111 yards long, you know, and we play to the 56. There is no basketball court that you get an extra 10 feet on the sides because we've got room for it, so we're going to add it to the court to make 
spacing a bit bigger. Um, there are there is no you know there aren't baseball games that are played thirteen innings in one park and nine innings in another. Why do we change up? You know what balls and strikes are, and how lo- how far you have to hit it to hit a home run, depending on the night. Because of tradition, and you know what tradition really is, right? Laziness. Peer pressure from dead people. <laughs> That's actually not <laughs> peer pressure from dead people. I've not thought of it that way. Um, but uh, I also want to get to uh, some NBA rule changes that are coming soon, uh, and a few other things as well. Dwayne Wade was commemorated at the ESPYS last night, and uh, I think it. Ultimately, the SB is not exactly a, a massive deal, but it does sort of show the significance. I think there was a feeling at times with the Dwayne Wade story a year ago that it was a local one, that Heat fans were obviously going away from Dwayne Wade, going to feel very heartbroken about the fact that he was no longer here and that he's such a significant figure in the history of South Florida sports. But ultimately, there is a there was a little bit of a feeling, I think, because of the big three phenomenon because the 06 finals was sort of a blip that Dwayne Wade had sort of become forgotten in the national conversation. There was never any, is Dwayne Wade the best basketball player in the world conversations that I can remember. And he never really figured in the national basketball conversation in a way that I think is commensurate with his ultimate standing in the NBA. And so to see him commemorated with best moment of the year because his final game at American Airlines Arena brought such goosebumps to the people that were watching it, not just here, but across the country, it does it, it does sort of go to show that he was a figure that transcended whatever he was here in Miami and actually did you know reach people across the country. And that last night was something that I think Jimmy Butler was attracted to and I think a lot of major NBA figures are attracted to. Because it shows that the Heat organization are not just going to discard their stars and really heal their reputation from where they had been when LeBron left, from when Dwayne Wade left, from when Chris Bosh got sick and things got acrimonious. I mean, at that moment, there wasn't really a feeling like the Heat were on good standing with the stars of the league. Because LeBron talks. LeBron will inform other people of what's going on in the NBA. I think I think you're hearing a distant sound. I think the television is on in here. I'm, I'm going to go during the break and turn off the television because I'm like hearing like a very distant sound as well. I'll, I'll, I'll get up there and I'll, I'll turn down the volume during the break. But um, uh, so for me, the fact that the Heat are starting to repair that image as a superstar-friendly team is great. But I want to start in the obvious place. Did it plenty last night. And uh, producer Danny on the other side got hit with my furnace blast of Russell Westbrook takes, as did the audience, who were not happy. We were, you know, they were, they were, le- they were less than plush, less than, less than pleased. Yes. with what I had to say. So the report today from the Miami Herald and Barry Jackson from the Pages says Oklahoma City has asked the Heat for multiple young, valuable assets in trade conversations involving guard Russell Westbrook and Miami, at least to this point, has refused, according to a league source briefed on the discussions by one of the teams. Uh, Now, they were asked to include two of Tyler Hero, their recent pick at number 13, Bam Adebayo, and Justice Winslow. Now, I will say, just as 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 an aside, before we even dig into the importance of that, but the fact that the Heat have built up a number 10, a number 13, and a number 14 overall pick to be assets that could potentially swing you a trade like this is the best possible scenario of you drafting well. 
right? Now, Tyler Hero is at least in part an unknown, and ultimately, first-round picks sort of lose their value the moment that they're driven off the lot. Now, Hero has played decently at NBA Summer League, but ultimately, Tyler Hero was more valuable as an unprotected first-round pick two years ago than he is now. And so the fact that he could potentially swing this trade is great. And and for me, is the ultimate reason why you don't give up on first-round picks unless you're getting someone great in return because they can provide the value that swing your trades. Because if the Heat are a near-term, win-now organization, then part of that is maintaining first-round picks so that you can make big trades, so that you can swing the deals that ultimately are going to net you your superstars that you're winning now with. And I have to be honest, the Goran Dragic trade, pretty sizable mistake in that regard. You give up two unprotected first-round picks, the second of which has been traded around a million times, because, and, and and well, because you, you don't want to give up anything to make that trade, but also you've now been left without a superstar player. Goran Dragic, as important as he could have been to that team, and as close as maybe they could have gone to winning the championship, I don't ever think that they were going to win the championship, even with healthy Chris Bosh that second season after they traded for Goran Dragic. I don't think they were ever going to win the championship. But... You can, you can at least talk yourself into it. And he was an important part of that team and has been generally good for the Heat. But ultimately, two unprotected first-round picks and a $17 million a year contract didn't pan out for the Miami Heat to win in a meaningful way. That trade did not work. And ultimately, you can't, as an NBA organization, give up unprotected first-round picks for players that aren't superstars. Just as I don't think that you can give up your cheap young assets because that's ultimately it's not just that you get these players and they're young and they're developing and they could become good maybe they they won't become great or superstars but they can become good justice winslow is on 13 million a year Adebayo is making 3.4 this year and tyler hero is making 3.6 that's cheap that's cheap labor in the nba context you're getting good players for cheap and so you have to protect valuable assets ultimately for to give up for things that will change your franchise. And as I said last night, I just don't think Russell Westbrook is that guy that's changing your franchise. He's not going to turn the heat from you have Jimmy Butler and a nice complimentary roster to some extent into a team that's competing for a championship. And again, if you're going to give up this stuff, You've got to do it so you can win the championship. Not get closer or get close, but to feel like next season, if we played in a playoff series against Milwaukee or against Philadelphia, that we could beat them. See, that's where you and I differ. Right? I honestly think with Russell Westbrook, there's nobody in the East that really scares me. I don't think they could beat Milwaukee with Russell Westbrook, Jimmy Butler. I, don't think, and, I think you and, totally overestimate Milwaukee. I watched them in the playoffs last year. I, mean, I saw a team with absolutely no closing instinct for the playoff absolutely none well let's give them a chance because first off that was their first go at it okay fair um, enough and they won 60 games last year okay. and they were two nothing up on the toronto raptors before Kawhi leonard an all-time figure ended up beating them over the course of the next four games i just have a rule i don't assign success until you actually succeed i mean that's that's a fair point but at the same time i just i think that you would go into next year feeling that milwaukee was a tier above Miami, 
and that Philly was a tier above Miami, even with Russell Westbrook. And so, as I said last night, I don't think you give up anything of value. You give Oklahoma City the opportunity to start over with cheaper, less lengthy contracts, and that ultimately is of huge value to their rebuild because they're going to have cap space. They're going to be able to absorb bad contracts from other teams in exchange for first-round uh, sweeteners. You're going to be able to do a lot with Goran Dragic's expiring contract. You're going to be able to do a lot in a year's time with Kelly Olynyk's expiring contract or Deion Waiters' expiring contract that you can operate as a team from underneath the weight of Russell Westbrook's contract even without young players to finish off that trade. Now, I get it because Russell Westbrook means a lot to Oklahoma City and their fans value him at the level of a player that should be fetching you not quite the Paul George Hall, but a hall that superstars command. And that you're getting a a superstar under team control for four years in exchange for whatever it is you're getting back. And that ultimately, that that normally comes with first-round picks. That normally comes with young assets. I just think that the NBA and its trade market and its teams are not putting together a competitive bid for Russell Westbrook. Until we start to see that, until we start to see Detroit saying, hey, we'll give you two first-round picks and some of our recent draftees and some salary filler to make this trade until we start to see, I mean, I I don't even know. The other teams don't appear obvious. I don't think there's a market for Russell Westbrook. And so I don't think the Heat should be operating under any pressure. What pressure is there? Okay, they just signed Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler is an older player, right? He's 30. He's on... Tom Thibodeau Miles, which means that he could get old quickly. I mean, we we saw it happen to Luol Deng. We saw it happen to Joakim Noah. We saw it happen to Derrick Rose, young and quickly. Playing for Tom Thibodeau has generally been something that shortens careers. And that is a huge concern going forward with having signed Jimmy Butler. But just because you did that move doesn't mean that all of a sudden you now have to feel the pressure of. We need to make win now, get the first superstar available just because he's out there and feel like, okay, we have to go for it now because we just signed Jimmy Butler. I think if they made the playoffs next season and they opt into Justice Winslow's contract and maintain some flexibility when Olenek, James Johnson, and Deion Waiters come off the books and you have a go in 2021, I I think that's an okay plan. I think being ready to strike for, for me, actual difference make, because if the Heat traded for Bradley Beal, there's a little bit of a redundancy with him and Jimmy Butler, or whatever big is going to become, I mean, the, the league is going to change again. And so, as long as you maintain that. But for me, people pushing the Heat to do this and give up good stuff, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of value and markets there is no market and for me the player has at the very best in your most kind interpretation of what he is as a player even value in a trade it's not good value great value superstar value it's okay decent in in the most kind interpretation of russell westbrook so I, I just I can't fathom that 
the Heat are going to cave to any kind of pressure. And also, they can just walk away. They're under no obligation to make this trade. And if Oklahoma City is okay with going into the season with Russell Westbrook under contract, that's fine. Then they can just continue on, pay the luxury tax to figure out some other way around it, and that's that. But if they don't want to have Russell Westbrook on their team at the start of the season, then I just they're going to have to reduce their asking price. Because right now, the only team that's been linked, and if some other team wants to make this trade, I think, ultimately, Heat fans and the Heat organization have to be okay with walking away from this and feeling like, okay, we, we got Jimmy Butler when no one expected us to. Good offseason. And not feel like this was an opportunity missed or wasted, as it was for me a year ago when Jimmy Butler was available and the Heat didn't get him. I just think I think of Jimmy Butler as a better player and asset and contract than... Russell Westbrook is, and I just don't feel it's that much of a missed opportunity if they don't get him. We'll obviously continue to talk about that over this next hour and change. Ira Winderman will join us in about 40 minutes to continue talking about it. Chris Whittingham here until 10 on WQAM. There was a uh, Twitter outage today for like an hour. Oh, my God. The world was stopped. Well, mine did. Over a couple of weekends ago, I think IG went down. Yeah, I remember that. And everybody lost their mind. <laughs> I, I, I remember. So the IG one was more, sometimes my IG doesn't work. So I'm like, ah, it's just not working right now. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to it in 10 minutes. And it'll be fine. Whereas Twitter today, it was like, open the first app trying to refresh the timeline. Then I do the thing where sometimes my Wi-Fi is being wonky, and so I'll turn off the Wi-Fi, go on just the cell phone service. Then I go off the cell phone service and onto just the Wi-Fi. And then I, I go to a different app, and then I go to mobile web. I, I'm starting to realize I have a problem <laughs> in the middle of all of this. Um, and then you just realize, oh, it's not working. And then you Google Twitter not working, and it says Twitter is down. I'll just let you know that that's really like it's basically the ticker of t- for today. It's the, where the inf- yeah, exactly. information it comes is, down, right? And I mean, imagine if Russell Westbrook. It's like I think the Russell Westbrook trade would have had to like have been held off for at least an hour. They can't call it into the league because Twitter wouldn't have been able to know about it. Woj can't get onto Twitter. He's got to be going. How is the world going to find out about this? Wow, how fantastic would it have been? If Kawhi waited to sign with the Clippers until Twitter went <laughs> until down. Until Twitter went down. Well, I believe. Wasn't there some so during that Instagram outage? I think that might have coalesced. Like, it like, like right, it, right it, it's it combined with something in NBA free agency happening, and they went, No, we gotta hold off because of the Instagram announcement. That you know, we 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 have to be able to announce this on Instagram, so we gotta wait. Hang on a second, we can't announce. Instagram, it's gotta be back up first. It is like legitimately frightening how much addiction we have to these devices, platforms, and, uh, and, and things that ultimately are probably not good for us. We're going to find out in 10 years just how much damage we've done to our eyes, 
to our ears and to everything. Hell, maybe even to our cancer cells. <laughs> I just <laughs> just you know, by, by staring at these things. My 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 kind of really quick thesis on social media and its effect on people was I remember when it first came out in the '90s and everybody was like, "Oh, the internet is going to be able to connect people. You'll have a classroom in in Iowa talking to another classroom in Japan, <laughs> and you know, and you'll be able to do all this communication and the sharing of information. And really, the only thing we've done with it has been to you know share porn, <laughs> sports scores, yeah. and argue with each other and wreck. <laughs> and Rex Chapman blocker charge videos. Exactly. Where you see, like, you know, some guy, cra- like, f- first off, okay, so for those of you that don't know, Rex Chapman used to play in the NBA, and now he has a Twitter account. That's So the theme is is a viral videos through the prism of is that a blocker, is that a charge? I got to tell you, some of these uh, Rex Chapman videos, a little grim. There's like, so there's one where it's like, uh, it's a boat pulling a guy on I don't even know what that's called. Is it wakeboarding or something like that? Where yeah, yeah. it's it's a board that's attached to a boat, and, and you're, you're riding the waves the created yeah. by the boat. And so um, there's this there's this guy, and they like they joke that they're gonna throw him a football while he's on the wakeboard, and then he's gonna catch it. Well, he looks up to catch the football and bang straight into one of those posts that's in the water. Oh no! And like, I mean, it kind of looks like the guy died. There's another guy. That he's like going down like a skateboard rail, gets all the way down to the bottom, stumbles off of it, is running into the middle of the street, and a car comes by and hits him. Well, there's actually a YouTube channel for this called Fail Nation. Right. right. Well, I mean, it, well, it used to be Faces of Death. Well, yes, I remember. <laughs> but, Faces but I mean, of death. Uh, but you know, it's it's a little too grim. I just want you know a nice, delightful video of. Uh, there's one that he tweeted out of a dog and a cat that were leading a coup of animals uh, to sort of uh, escape where they were. And so they, like, jumped up and figured out how to open the door. And then once they've opened the door, then all the animals went running out. And it was like, oh, look at the look at these very smart animals that know what they're doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, now, now they're a bit more grim, the Rex Chapman blocker charges. Maybe Rex Chapman should just stick to posting videos from that one night he was unconscious against the Bulls. <laughs> um, I, I will say, though... Uh, the good ones are great, but I, I wonder if there's almost like a pressure on him. Like, I got to find videos every day to to entertain the masses. And instead, he just ends up uh, posting the most grim things in the world. But um, in terms of uh, getting back to sports here, um, I want to spend a majority of the first hour on the Heat and the Westbrook thing. Now, last night, I, I kind of laid out what I would do instead, right? As the Miami Heat, I think people are understandably going, well, what would you do? What would you do with this current roster and the opportunity to trade Russell Westbrook? So, first off, I don't think, I mean, unless you really cut off your worst con. If the trade was Johnson, Olenek, and Waiters for Russell Westbrook, I think you have to do it. But that's like worst case scenario. I'm saying like you even keep Dragic because at least Dragic is an asset, an expiring contract that you can get for stuff, right? Whether it's a couple of role players that help you win, or a first-round pick, or some, Goran Dragic can get you stuff. Like to me, when people go, "Well, you start the trade with Dragic," I go, "Well, hang on a second. Goran Dragic is a valuable asset. Expiring contract, good salary. He can get you. And also, come playoff time, some team's going to need a Goran Dragic. And so, to me, if that trade centers around Goran Dragic going to Oklahoma City, that's not." That's not salary filler. That's not a, a nothing asset. And also, you gave up two first-round picks to get him. 
So you want to get something back in return. So, and and I think on the NBA market value, Goran Dragic's expiring contract means more than Russell Westbrook's four years. Again, I don't think people really understand the breadth of which this contract is not a good one in the NBA. Long years, big money, and ultimately, if you're trying to trade Russell Westbrook, you're not going to get a lot in return because other teams are not going to fire up a market to pay a guy who's inefficient at every level $41, $44, 47000000 dollars. And NBA fan who watches his highlights, sees a league MVP and goes, you know what? That's a guy that's going to make the difference. I just don't think he is. And so, if you can get him for your worst possible offer, okay. Then you can figure out what to do from there. And you're getting off of your bad contracts and you're taking on someone else's. And ultimately, you're serving both masters. But the moment you start giving up stuff is the moment that I'm out. And I think I draw the line at Justice Winslow. You can't take Winslow or either of the two rookies because those are valuable players, valuable contracts that ultimately you can do more with. If I said that Winslow, Hero, and Adebayo can anchor a Bradley Beal trade, that's a good trade. You do that. That's the kind of player that you're trying to get younger, more valuable, better than Russell Westbrook. And so hang on to your stuff that'll get you other stuff because ultimately, if the Heat give up their stuff for this trade, they're not going to be able to do anything else. This is their team. They've given up all their first-round picks. They'll be drafting next year in 2020, but if you're presuming that this team will have playoff success, that's the pick in the 20s. You can't trade it until draft night. If you have a scenario where you've given up, that's there is no maneuverability. Once you've given up young players and young assets, because you can't trade first-round picks, and you can't trade young players. And so you basically can only match salary and maybe see if a, if a team will buy on your role players and you have your cap space. But again, Westbrook plus Butler, that's like starting at at least $70 million and rising to as high as $80, $85 million. That's a majority of your cap space. Even if you could get off of all of the contracts, you still might not have a maximum salary space. And so this trade locks you into your team. And I think the Heat can afford to wait. People are saying that because they signed 30-year-old Jimmy Butler, they can't afford to wait. I think you can. I think the Heat can wait for the next guy. Because if the Heat had maximum salary cap space this summer, they'd be a player for the guys. Kawhi, Anthony Davis, Kyrie, Paul George, on and on and on and on. They'd be a player for those guys. So allow yourself the chance to get them. Allow yourself the chance to be, and, and not continually tie your hands behind your back, which is something I want to get to next. The Heat have been doing that. Well, I mean, you're just saying go ahead and get Anthony Davis or Kawhi Leonard. There's no guarantee those guys are going to become available in two years. Absolutely none. I think there is a guarantee that 
superstar players will become available again. I mean, I know that. I know. I mean, I know I'm, that, I'm not I know saying those guy, specific like the, guys. I'm, I'm saying superstar uh, superstar players will become available because this is now a self perpetuating phenomenon that is happening in the NBA where the more movement that happens the more movement they will happen there is not going to be a period of stasis in the NBA ever for any time soon so be the team that can take advantage of that the heat can be that team if you just bide your time and I do think that there's a little bit of impatience that sits over the heat organization at times and I don't think Pat Riley's age is an excuse I think Pat Riley is a custodian of this organization in a way where I don't think he's selfish he's selfish enough to think, you know what, I'm going to leave this team bankrupt for the future because it's not my problem. Pat Riley's a custodian of this organization and has been the entire time that he's been here. I honestly don't think that his age factors in at all. I think he's desperate to win. And I think he is always going to go for winning above anything else. And he thinks that Jimmy Butler helps his team win. It's the next move that helps his team win. No, I'm curious. What ultimately the organizational divide? Because Levitard reported on uh, the the seven ninety to take a local hour today that there is divide within the organization of what the value of this player is, and I do kind of wonder because Stan Van Gundy gave voice on the Levitard show to hey, you give up two first round picks and you do the trade. Westbrook's one of those guys. You go and do it. I don't agree with him, but obviously Stan Van Gundy is a great basketball mind. Now I don't know if his Concept of value is the right one. I think you saw that again and again in Detroit, overpaying pretty mediocre guys, giving up a lot to go and get Blake Griffin because he thought he was one of those guys. When I just don't know if Blake Griffin was ever going to be that valuable valuable of a player, and ultimately he got fired. But I, I don't think that Pat Riley is the kind of guy that is impatient. I do think he's the kind of guy that might think, well, I, I, okay, let, let me rephrase that. Pat Riley is impatient, but not because he's old, right? For me, it's a very weird thing to do to him that because he's 74 years old, you're going, well, it's he's on his way out, so what difference does it make? I, I think that's borderline ages to say that. I, I don't think that he thinks that way at all. I think he's too indebted to this organization to say, you know what? What do I care what the what the future of this team is? But I do think he's the kind of guy and the kind of basketball mind that might not really care about what his true shooting percentage is. What his shooting percentage from three or from the... You just look at him, you watch Russell Westbrook's game, and you go, that guy's a leader, that guy has won games, that guy's taken teams to the NBA Finals, that guy's taken teams to the Conference Finals, that guy's a, one of the key figures that gets you to superstardom that gets you to where you want to be. I don't agree with that assessment, but I can certainly see a world in which some of the more old school guys in the organization, I actually do kind of think that Russell Westbrook is the perfect general sports fan that also dabbles in basketball, but isn't really in tune with the day-to-day numbers and the narratives around players, and also the new school versus old school faction that happens in every sport definitely basketball where there are people who have not bought into the analytics revolution who still don't think that you know you win with three-point shots and with efficiency and efficient offense and so it's going to be a divide like that I think even within an organization 
where I think Pat Riley looks at Russell Westbrook and sees a lot of traits and a lot of qualities that he would like about a basketball player. I just don't, I, I think, I tend to side with, I, 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 my guess would be within that organization that a guy like Shane Battier who's in charge of the analytics department would go, hang on a second. No. This, this guy doesn't have the right numbers, the right style of play, the right anything that actually help you win games. He's inefficient from two, from three, and from the free throw line. There isn't an area of the court where he masks his inefficiency. And from and you know, shoots the fourth most field goal attempts in the NBA. People are going, well, he helped Paul George and he was, you know, running mate for Paul George. Okay, Paul George was second in the NBA in field goal attempts. Russell Westbrook was fourth. Not second in the, in the Oklahoma City Thunder. In the league. Fourth in the NBA in field goal attempts per game. Russell Westbrook. And doing so in the least efficient way possible. Having the Oklahoma City Thunder be better with Paul George and not Russell Westbrook than Russell Westbrook and not Paul George. The last two years, the Oklahoma City Thunder have been good because of Paul George, not because of Russell Westbrook, in my opinion. And I think that decline is only only going to continue to happen as he gets older, as, again, he had another... I don't think people are aware of this either. He had another knee scope. This offseason, in May, little minor, people say it's a minor procedure. A procedure is surgery. He had another surgery on his knee to clean out his knee. And if you don't think that that athleticism, which was otherworldly, and is still going to be otherworldly, is going to fade away over the course of a four-year contract where, again, you're paying him 38 41 44 $47 million. It's going to be a problem. But what, what, I, what I want to get to coming up next is this idea that people are crediting Pat Riley for getting something done this offseason because, wow, look at the impossible situation he was in. He didn't have cap space. He came to the table with nothing, and he came away with Jimmy Butler. And I want to poke holes in that notion. We'll get to it next. This evening, about 15 minutes, talking to Ira Winderman of the Sun Sentinel Station Regular. Talking about the latest with the Russell Westbrook trade and some summer league stuff as the Heat are still in summer league and there have been some players that have stood out. I have to be honest, just not for me, Clive. Not not hanging out. Now, I do have it on here on the television just because we have the ESPNs. It is another one of these nights. Actually, tonight is more a night without sports than last night was. Because at least last night, I got home and during the show, I was watching the U.S. Open Cup. Great story in the U.S. Open Cup. So for those of you that don't know, there is a single elimination tournament that features every soccer team in the United States. The Inter-Miami will be entering this next year. 
that features every soccer team, semi-pro and above. So there was, you know, a team from Key Biscayne, I'm sorry, North Miami Beach called the Florida Soccer Soldiers. They were beating professional teams. They made it to the third round. It was really cool. But so there's a single uh, a single elimination tournament uh, with every team in the United States. And last night was the quarterfinals. And so in Orlando, they have at one end of the stadium, a standing only section that that's where like the super fans go. There'll be something similar uh, for Inter Miami when they come into MLS. It is literally that it's sort of like rows of rails of handrails um, so that each supporter can stand the whole match and and cheer for their team. And so they so in this game it was Orlando City and New York City FC. They went to penalty kicks. And so the fans were on the end of the stadium opposite of where the penalties are going to be taken. And so once it was determined that the penalties were going to happen at the other end of the stadium, there is a mad dash that happens on the concourse, and you can see it because it's sort of one of those open-air concourses, from one end of the stadium to the other so that the fans can go over to the other end and support their team. So it was a really cool video. Uh, you can check it out. Orlando City uh, tweeted it out on their account. Now, uh, we're, we're going to hate them in a year. We don't like Orlando in MLS, but uh, really cool video. Uh, go and check that out on social media. But I wanted to talk about a narrative that I've heard recently when it comes to Pat Riley and the Miami Heat doing well in free agency, even though they had nothing. Now, here's what I'm going to say on the front end. It cannot be disputed that Pat Riley is incredible working with superstar talent. Pat Riley is probably the greatest ever when it comes to figuring out ways to attract superstar talent, to keep superstar talent, and to keep them happy. And Pat Riley in a room is among the more devastating forces in basketball, right? If you're a team hoping to keep your player and that guy is going into a meeting with Pat Riley, I don't know if you're feeling a a good deal confident that that player is coming out still with your team. And this has happened again and again and again. Pat Riley is amazing in these situations. He's got in the room with players he's had no business getting in the room with. Jimmy Butler. Why does Jimmy Butler want to play here? That's still an unanswered question. Why did he want to be here? I, what do you mean that was not an unanswered question? They, that was the first thing that came up when he came here. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, it is still an unanswered question. Why, why, why does he want to be here? Because he likes the organization. He wants to work hard. He, like, Dwayne Wade basically told him the organization would fit him like a glove. But he also has said that he wants to win. And the team that he signed up with isn't going to win. Well, they're, they're not going to win right now, but they could definitely oh, sure, win down sure. the road. Sure, I mean, you could be sold on a vision, but... But again, but you no, know... No, no, but hang on. But Jimmy Butler was linked with Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers. If he... I think if he had stayed a free agent, he could have been the third for the Lakers. If he decided to sit out, you know what, maybe I'll go to Miami, but let me see what happens with the Kawhi thing. Either I go with him, or maybe the Lakers want to use their $32 million. You don't think from a basketball point of view that going to be the third with LeBron and Anthony Davis is a better situation than Miami? What? Or being Kawhi Leonard's running mate is a better situation than Miami? I mean Well, I mean from a from a from a from a 
basketball writer or purely basketball outsider perspective. No, just from yeah. a winning perspective. You're going to no, win but more no, in those situations. No, no, When you consider, consider this, Jimmy Butler's were hanging around with Dwayne Wade, and he basically tells him, sure. look, it down here. They, they play heat basketball. They, you know, it's tough defense. You'd like it down there. And then he looks at the situation. He looks at the team, and he goes, well, I'm going to be the main guy down there. I mm-hmm. I can take shots, you know. I'm not gonna have to. I'm not gonna have to. I'm not gonna have to spend time worrying about helping LeBron or helping Kawhi or or helping Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. You know, I'm gonna come down here and be the man. And in Jimmy Butler's mind, and and honestly, you I know you're absolutely gonna disagree with what I'm about to say right now. In Jimmy Butler's mind, you look around at the Eastern Conference. What the Heat? If 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 the Heat don't make the Russell Westbrook trade, let's let's mm-hmm. let's stay right. Sure. Okay. And they finish, let's say, what, around a six seed or something like that. Mm-hmm. And let's say they draw a first round against, like, the Pacers or the or the Celtics or or even the Sixers. Do you really think the Heat, with the Heat, with the way the Heat plays tough defense and with those teams having absolutely no one who has proven that they can win big in the Eastern Conference, is it really so far-fetched that they can steal a series from those guys? It's not far-fetched, but they'd be pretty significant underdogs, in my opinion. Oh, they'd be underdogs, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, no, they'll be underdogs, right. but it's not, but it's not, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility. But, but you, but you just, no, 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 it's not. But you also just laid out a scenario where the Heat finished with the sixth seed, right? If, yeah. If Jimmy Butler goes to the Lakers or to the Clippers, he could be competing at the top of the conference. But like, then he, but then he'd be sharing the ball with LeBron. I understand. Sharing well, okay. the ball with Anthony Davis. So, okay, so is he basically saying? My lot in the NBA is as a leader of a team that's not ultimately going to win a lot. No, he's and, saying and, that he wants and to. That doesn't seem like what he laid out for himself when he decided when he was saying, "I want to win. I want to win big." But see, I think you're. I think you're. I think you're misinterpreting what winning big means in an athlete's mind. Because remember, an athlete considers himself an alpha dog. Sure. And, you know. You know, like Paul Pierce said the other day, he was like, "Oh, you know, I always consider myself the best player on the court." Well, Jimmy Butler considers himself the best, the best on the court, and he just doesn't want to feel like he has to share. He feels like he can win. Without, without, without another superstar, or at least another superstar that is going to at least bow to him. That's really my only concern with the Russell Westbrook deal is how well those two will get along. I can spoiler alert: it won't go well. <laughs> like I, I just I can't see those two guys. Maybe they're similarly minded about how they approach things, but when that comes together, whew, that's going to be two of the most aggressive NBA personalities coming together in one place. But I, I, I'm still not entirely clear other than I want to lead my own team. But I, I, I just it, – it, it, so my point is it wasn't the best option in free agency, right? If you're just objectively looking at what was on for Jimmy yeah, Butler to do in free agency, with. it wasn't the best option. And still, Pat Riley pulls it off. Pulled off the big three. I mean, you remember the meetings when, you know, Gordon Hayward says it's the best presentation, you know, that he's ever seen. It's, you know, the it's LaMarcus Aldridge nearly committing despite the Heat not having any money. But here's the thing that frustrates me as someone who observes the Heat be so good at this. This is what they do as an organization. This is their skill. Their skill is free agent success, being good in the room, pulling off the big move. And so... Why do they take themselves out of it? Why do they make it harder on themselves? Why are they going into free agency over the luxury tax when there's so many guys out there, guys that want to be here so desperately? You just said it. Jimmy Butler wants to be here. For whatever reason, he really wanted to be here. He can't be alone in that. 
And if it's still attractive to him, even with a team that didn't make the playoffs, and it is over the luxury tax, then why are the Heat doing it to themselves where they're creating obstacles for themselves, again, as if they were a small market team? What if they had a clean sheet of first-round picks and salary cap space with franchise-changing stars available this summer? It could, it could be a championship-contending team that we're looking at right now. If they had a clean sheet and all they had to do was just sign free agents into salary cap space, they could have a championship-contending team. And so, yes, Pat Riley gets credit for having pulled off this move with nothing. And you ultimately, you can't undo what you did already. You gave James Johnson that contract. You matched on Tyler Johnson, which you can say that you got rid of him. No, you didn't because you're paying Ryan Anderson $5 million a year for the next three years by waving and stretching him. And so you can't make up the fact that you gave Hassan Whiteside a max extension. You can't fix that. But I just, I just you know, rattled off $200 million worth of mistake. And so if those $200 million were kept in the bag and maybe given as one-year contracts, so you continue to roll over that flexibility so that when Jimmy, when Jimmy Butler becomes available, you can keep a first-round pick. They could have kept it. Instead, they had to attach it to Hassan Whiteside and ultimately gave the Los Angeles Clippers one of the superstars you could have gotten if you had salary cap space. And so, yes, it's amazing what Pat Riley did here. He got a guy when that's first step is you get one of the difference-making players. He got one of them. Well done. But in the end, he gave up something to do it and, in my opinion, didn't have to. And that is... The ultimate crux of the matter is that he didn't have to do this in order to get Jimmy Butler to get attracted in coming here. As a matter of fact, all of the impediments that he set for himself and he's still pulling these moves off, well, imagine if he wasn't operating with an arm tied behind his back. How much better it could have been. But can't undo it now. Well done to him for getting the Jimmy Butler thing done, but I'm not giving him credit as, wow, Pat Riley's back. He pulled it off. Well, no, no, you don't get to make. Again, let's look at it. Hassan Whiteside, 100 million. Tyler Johnson, 50 million. Deion Waiters, 50 million. Kelly Olinick, 50 million. James Johnson, 60 million. That's an obscene amount. That's $300 million in mistakes. In contract, well, I, I, although I, I might remove Olinick from that conversation. He's been a decent player and a decent signing. So let's take him out. 250 million, 260 million worth of mistake? Imagine if he wasn't operating that way. Imagine if he, haven't, he hadn't given up two first-round picks for Goran Dragic and instead could have thrown in another valuable player that maybe Phoenix you know, wouldn't have done, you know, would have taken one first-round pick, and you'd be done with it by now. If he hadn't done Whiteside, you have another first-round pick by now. And again, I'm not saying first-round picks are valuable to draft necessarily if you're in the playoffs, but they're valuable to go and get stuff. Not giving him credit. We're back with Arrow Winderman after this. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.